Rambo. All right, yeah, Rambo. Okay, Rambo. I'm Liza. I'm Liza. I'm, I'm the sewing one. <laughs> I'm Liza. I'm the sewing one forever. She's Liza. She stole the sewing one. <laughs> what if we switched roles? You know, we should do an episode where I bring all the sewing knowledge that I have to the table. Oh, wait, I already do that. <laughs> Can my some birds sew? Oh, no, Polly, don't cut right off that dress. The sewing machine. Where's the iron? Oh my God, I'm sweating. Where's the iron? Taffeta. <laughs> Muslin. Ooh, I'd wear that. Is that, that machine even threaded? All right. Well, you're Megan. You're the writing one. Okay. That's true. I'm Megan. I'm the writing one. And you are listening to There's No Thread, the podcast that asks, could, would, and most importantly, should the characters really sew that thing within the world of their movie? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Are we ready? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Today, we turn our sewing and writing eyes upon the 1982 Rambo film, First Blood, screenplay by Michael Kozal. William Sackheim, and Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Based on the 1972 David Morrell novel. Costume design by Tom Bronson. Oh, man. Um, Fucking great movie, bro. Now I'm guessing you did not fall asleep. I didn't. I mean, also, I had screened it uh, within the past five years. I mean, you know my husband. Like, Rambo's in rotation. Um, I didn't uh, remember to put down the director. Do you think we care? Should we say his name? Um, yes, and directed okay. by Ted Kochef. Great. Kochef. Kochef. You want to do Someone, it <laughs> One of our crew chief. Should we look it up real quick? Ooh, yeah. Actually, I will look it up. Okay. Okay. Ted Kochef. Awesome. All right. That's what the computer says. Then it's got to be right. It's got to be right. Computers actually can't lie. They can't. No. <laughs> okay, Megan, are you ready for an amazing fact about Sylvester Stallone? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Glad you're ready. Buckle up. <laughs> this screenplay, you know, is in sort of a production thing where like the first kind of group that wanted to make it decided not to because the Vietnam War was still happening. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually this company bought the screenplay and Sylvester Stallone did the rewrites. It's not like the three of them were working on it together. It was a finished screenplay that was purchased, and then Sylvester Stallone did the rewrites, which is wild to me. And then I have this amazing fact. In 1977, for the first Rocky, so not for this one, but for the first Rocky, Stallone became the third man in history to receive the two nominations for Best Actor and Best Screenplay. Do you want to know who the other two were before him? Who? Charlie Chaplin and Orson Welles. Oh, shit. Can you, like, Sylvester Stallone, Orson Welles, and Charlie Chaplin. Is that the craziest list you've ever heard? It's the craziest list. But yes, in our household, it is understood that Stallone (laughs) is a writer. That does not blow your mind, because you know that. (laughs) I know it, and so he's a writer. super funny. He's so I can't actor. tell you anything about Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few things I don't know about Stallone. There, there's probably plenty of things I don't know about him, but um, he is well-respected. That's cool. So the novel it's based on was also called First Blood, because that's yeah. what we're talking about today. We're talking about First Blood. Um, David Morrell started writing it when he was a professor based on his students' Vietnam War experience. Wow. Which is, I mean, it's just like kind of heartbreaking to think about that. Yeah, um, I apparently I know. the book is like way bloodier and and more violent than the movie. Yeah, it was so crazy to watch it. I mean, I like I said I had watched it before, but I guess this this time around 
I, I mean, I kind of was just like, wait a second. Like, why are they being so mean to him from the jump? He's a vet. And then, and... oh my gosh. Also, he looked so clean. Yeah. I was like, this man is a vagrant. <laughs> this man is a vagrant. Right. This was a time when having even remotely longer hair, like not a yeah. crew cut was considered rebellious and feminine and gross and like just not okay. And a mm-hmm. sign that you do not participate in the society as is. And it was so startling because he's so clean. Mm-hmm. He's so, he's clean. He's polite. He's quiet. Oh man. Yeah. But I really like that they had that first scene in there. Cause if it had started with him being picked up with the cop, you would have been kind of worrying, like, is he dangerous? Yeah. But we've seen him be so careful with the wife of his friend. Yeah. And just, you know, thank you. Sorry for bothering you. I'm leaving now. Kind of kind of vibe. Well, that's the whole save the cat thing in, in screenplay structure, right? Is that you establish very early on that your, your protagonist, your hero would save a cat, or in this case is like very concerned about. Oh, you know, I'm glad you they- explained that because I was going to ask who is the cat? in this situation (laughs) it's just it's just a saying or like an analogy for being somebody that's decent and we get that impression from him right away is Mm. that he's showing us he's decent so he's worth rooting for from the top uh because he's looking for his friend this man he's just looking for his friend yeah oh i just want to jump in about the costume designer tom bronson so he did not all of but a bunch of the rockies and not all of but a bunch of the rambos and he did Beverly Hills Cop, but he also did a bunch of The Parent Trap and Freaky Fridays. Oh my God, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's, his IMDb is very long. He's had, he's had a lot of movies. Nothing recent that I was like, oh my God, I want to talk about that. But I did love the um, contrast between the Rockies, Rambos, and Parent Traps, Freaky Fridays. <laughs> yeah, I also love that he has a name that you would associate with being in this movie like tom bronson mm, sounds, yeah it sounds like a like tough he, name yeah he might like show up in the movie yeah um, he might be rambo's like side 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 guy like second <laughs> string second string rambo <laughs> rambo's down he's off with his sewing machine but here comes tom bronson <laughs> ready to show him how to use it <laughs> where's the costumer we need help <laughs> tom bronson uh, megan do you want to tell me and tell everyone do you want to just tell the world who's in this movie and what happens in this movie? Oh man, I sure do, Liza. Okay, Good. so this this movie, you know, it's got, as we said, it's got four different writing credits, the final one being Sylvester Stallone. And um, he is also the star of the film, Sylvester Stallone as Rambo. And then we have Richard Crenna as Troutman, who is his military mentor. Oh man, um, Richard Crenna reminded me so much of Nathan Lane. Oh, I can see that. I w- and yeah. I was like, I want to I want to recast this guy as Nathan Lane. And tall guy was like, and who would play Rambo? And I was like, no, still the other cast exactly the same. Just Nathan Lane in it. Brian Dennehy as Teasel. Oh my gosh. He was, he was so huge looking in that, that shearling jacket that he wears for kind of like the last half. He looked like Henry VIII. Like he just looked like a wall of a man. Liza, fucking so glad you brought that up. Jason mm. wants that coat. I couldn't think of one word to describe it. And I was like, I don't even know. I was like, is the outside suede? Is the inside wool? What, yeah. is, the, what is the material of that coat? It's called shearling. Shearling. So what it is, it's like uh, sheep's leather. The leather is what you see on the outside. And they've left the wool on. And that's toward the inside of the body. So it's warm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like the whole, you know, inner and outer of the leather. <laughs> you know. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> 
He was like, nice. if I only had one coat in the world, I would want that coat. Like, what is that material? And I was like, I don't even know. I don't even want one word to describe that. I guess it's wool. Maybe it's suede. Yeah. So we had Brian Dennehy as Teasel, the cop that is coming after Rambo. And then we have Jack Starrett as Galt. David Caruso as Mitch. Yeah. But really our main people are Sylvester Stallone as John Rambo, a, you know, traumatized war vet just looking for a meal. Literally just looking for a meal, guys. And he gets picked up by Brian Dennehy, uh, Teasel, who's the kind of the sheriff in town. He's, <laughs> he's told to get out of there and he's roughed up and he doesn't like it. And he comes back, he's just trying to get a meal and he gets hauled in by the police and they rough him up some more and he goes bonkers. <laughs> runs into the woods and they follow him and total literal war ensues. And uh, let me, I'll give you my log line that I wrote here. A decent man is pushed to the fucking brink. That's the whole thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I kept thinking of, like, what's the alternate storyline where he just, where no one picks him up and he just has lunch, leaves a nice tip, and keeps moving on? Oh, God, I know. Like, I felt so bad for this entire town that, like, it's Christmas time. Yes. I love this. There are decorations everywhere. Yeah. It's a holiday film. <laughs> yeah. And now, like, all of those people that live in that town... They wake up the next morning. They can't get gas because the gas station's blown up. They can't get groceries because the grocery store's blown up. They can't go to the bank because the bank's blown up. They can't go to the um, duck hunting and gun store because mm -hmm. that's blown up. And then they can't mm -hmm. report it to the police because the police station is blown up. And all the police are dead. And I'm sure they would all much rather have had this one dude just have a nice lunch and leave <laughs> quietly. Much rather. Yeah. No, it, it, got, it totally got me thinking about just... How many stories exist like this? Where if people had just been treated with dignity, the dignity, the human dignity that they deserve as humans, no matter what their station in life, mm -hmm. if it wasn't just like a power trip gone wrong by police, I know yeah. obviously this is a larger story in our country, um, but if that hadn't happened, it would have just been exactly as you described, just a normal day for this man <laughs> trying to live his life with respect as a human Quietly, on this planet left alone doing his own thing he's not even dirty he's not even dirty he doesn't even he's look not... like he smells bad even though the guy keeps yeah. saying he smells bad he's super handsome and he's so buff <laughs> and he's covered in scars and don't you just want to hold him you just want to hold him <laughs> yeah he looks so sad yeah he is sad they actually he's make so... it really nice they make it really clear that like the government trained him as a killer and then just brought him back and dumped him yes like the, even even his commanding officer had no idea that all, everyone else in the in the team was dead, and that he was the last one, and didn't yes. even really know where he'd been for the past. I think it's like seven years since the since he came back. Um, but yeah, like they didn't even keep tabs on him. Two seconds of anything that this person experienced would just end me as a oh yeah you yeah. know, and then it's just like thing after thing after thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought it it was a really clear. Um, you know, I feel like stories that have a lot of like nuance in them are really in style right now. And not that this doesn't have nuance in it, but it's like, it's really, really evident that like, he's a good guy and the cop is a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And I think now we're in more of a period of like, kind of looking at everyone's perspective and seeing like the layers and all this stuff. And there are certain layers in this movie that are really interesting, but they're mostly from Rambo, not from... Yeah, we don't have to have any backstory yeah. on, like, why Galt is so awful. Yeah. We're just, like, glad when he falls out of the helicopter and dies. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Also, how does this small town in Washington State have a helicopter at their disposal for their police force? Yeah, that <laughs> seemed extreme. Yeah, it was fun to watch Stallone because I, um, unlike uh, your household, my household is not, um, we don't watch them on a regular basis. So, like, I'm not that familiar with the fact that, like, he's a good actor. Like, it, all the lines were kind of under-delivered, which I thought was nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think because the Rambo franchise became such a big international, just like heavy testosterone associated thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen all of the Rambo movies, but I think I actually saw part of the most recent one and it was just kind of like laughably like what is happening. Oh, that's the one that's called Last Blood, which I think is funny <laughs> yeah. also. <laughs> yeah, it was like these are last breaths of this franchise. Um, but the first one is so... Like, you know, it's just, it's a good movie. And then of course, cinematically, um, again, watching it with my husband who will pay attention to every single shot. I mean, it was like literally every shot. He was like, do you see the framing of this? And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like it's really well shot. Um, uh-huh. And of course, because it's the eighties, like there's, there's no, everything's real. There's no, no yeah, nothing um, is uh, graphically inserted. Graphically enhanced no. and. And I was watching that helicopter scene, you know, where it's lowering and lowering and lowering. And I was like, God, this is so dangerous. Like yeah. it is dangerous to do anything like that with the helicopter and like a gorge standing still and having someone shooting off of it. Yeah. Anyways, do you know, so. um, Stallone actually did the stunt where he falls off the cliff into the tree. I mean, of course I know. Of that. course, you know, so name off his injuries. Cause I know you know that. Yeah. In real life, he <laughs> cracked ribs and, and they um, had to like pause the filming yeah, you no, know, because that's a major, that's a problem. Also, you really see him hit. Like you're mm. like, oh, that's a real hit, and it's like, yes, it is such a real hit that he cracked yeah, his own ribs. Super scary. Yeah, I, I was kind of like, um, this seems this is the stunt right here that you could have had a stunt person do. Like, yeah. If you maybe if you want to jump on the motorcycle, that's fun. But like this yeah. one, maybe just let somebody else do it. <laughs> well, it's that whole like just crazy. I mean. Tom Cruise does a lot of his own stunts and it's just like terrifying for everyone. Yeah, everyone's um, like, Stallone. please don't though. <laughs> wow. God, guys, like stop it. <laughs> like I know you're really in the moment. You're really in these characters, but like you are a liability. Yeah. Remember that. Remember how much money is riding on you? <laughs> so much money is riding on you. Like we don't want you to actually die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I think we've done a pretty good job setting up the world of the movie pretty awesome (laughs) no cgi there's no magic it's you know set in a real time all right i gotta tell you though all right this movie was a listener suggestion i don't think i told you that um and it was a little bit of a trick uh it was suggested by mike so thank you mike but the trick was mike gave a timestamp for when rambo makes a costume and he gave a timestamp for the moment when needle and thread appears. And I know now that he's not sew a costume with that needle and thread. He sews up his own arm. <laughs> yes. Okay. I was watching it and you know how I get so paranoid that I'm going to miss something. And I was yes. like, is this the sewing moment? And of course, Jason knows enough to know what he's looking for. And he was like, he's, he's not actually sewing anything. And I was like, <laughs> is the arm the sewing moment? Yeah, I'm going to get into um, that. <laughs> yeah, I actually like, I'm so glad that we got to do this one because the genre that we generally fall into, because 
our parameters require that the movie has to have a sewing plotline. We end up like just in the world of rom-coms and maybe some historical fictions mm-hmm. and female-led dramas a lot, like Uptown Girls, that sort of thing. So yeah. it was nice to be um, pretty and pink pulled into this world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, keep those listeners' suggestions coming, uh, listener, <laughs> but you don't have to trick us every time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. yes. The sewing moment is the poncho. Like, I think it's generally known as a poncho. It's more like a tunic if we want to get real technical and nerdy. Well, and- I said, I called it a dress. Uh, <laughs> that's what I thought it was. <laughs> so, and boy, did I get corrected. Oh, it is I bet a you poncho. got a, a little bit of trouble for that one. <laughs> but it is a poncho. I, I actually was like, this is not a dress, but <laughs> it was cute. In my mind, dress. I was like, I was like, it's A-line. He's got it. It's belted. Um... <laughs> Okay, yes, I want to tell you about the poncho. Tell me, girl. Okay, Megan. Okay, Liza. Okay. We've got three levels of reality with this poncho. So we need to go in three levels deep like Inception, the movie. And in fact, if I can find a soundbite of Inception horns, I will play it now. And if I can't... (laughs) And if I can't find a sound clip of an Inception horn, I will play something else now (laughs) okay we're going in okay um just a quick side note i worked on costumes for inception but anyway damn you guys don't fucking know what a baller lenta is she's so (laughs) subtle about it i will tell her to like put clips from the podcast like in the little section she does where she cuts together and she's like where i'm like talk about this costume you worked on promo with it leads with it she's like nah bitch i'm only gonna show that if people get into the podcast it's a special treat for you listener (laughs) you listen all the way through you'll get to hear all the impressive stuff lenses oh man okay so level one okay the character john rambo creates this poncho in the movie using his knife and a piece of found material right this is just like what we've been talking about this in the scene he finds a truck in the woods there's a canvas tarp in it he drags the canvas tarp out he is at the moment wearing like a tank top and so he <laughs> uses his knife and he cuts a section out of the tarp and then in the next scene we see he's he's wearing uh his dress <laughs> in the next scene he's wearing this poncho and he's tied it around the waist with some rope that he also found on the truck right okay so that's level one but we have to go deeper level two the actor sylvester stallone is quoted in several articles including his own post on instagram from may 27 2018 describing how that costume moment was not in the script at all which mm. let's not forget he co-wrote. Mm. But so the original novel took place in Kentucky. The movie was set in Washington state, but the actual film location was British Columbia in Canada. And it was freezing cold. He said they it was hovering around zero. Mm. Uh, so Stallone was cold <laughs> and he found that canvas tarp and uh, basically said, hey, guys, roll camera while I make this into clothing because he was cold. <laughs> he did some clothes on. I fucking love it. Yes. I love it. It so was now, the look. He created it's amazing. the look. So when I read that, my first thought was, what a continuity nightmare for the wardrobe department. Because because it's on film, this is now a major costume element. It's been established on film. So all subsequent scenes involving this through line of story must include that poncho. 
or give some kind of explanation for why it's suddenly gone. You know, if they were shot out of order. Uh. Uh. It either has to be the exact same one, which is hard logistically because, you know, maybe we've driven six miles away and the wardrobe truck is back there. Like, just logistically, you want more than one costume. Oh, Liza, get into the nitty gritty. Oh, my God. What if they'd already shot half the movie? Exactly. Or, Or you have to just somehow recreate this thing to match the thing he's just invented on camera. You would have to match it in color, in fabric type and weight, in the stain location of all the oil stains and the blood stains. You have to match the dirt level on any multiples you create. Okay, but guess what? We can go deeper. We're going down into level three. Shit, she's got level (laughs) inception. (laughs) Okay, so I learned from the notes included with this poncho on an auction site called Julian's Auctions, that the canvas tarp Stallone found that day was big enough that the wardrobe department was able to take what was left over when he cut his poncho out on camera and cut the rest of it into multiples, matching the cut edges, replicating the oil stains and the dirt level, and even line them in warmer fabric so that he would be warm. Oh my God. And in fucking and, huge props to the wardrobe department. That's what on, I'm talking about. Teamwork on some makes of these, the dream work. On some of these auction sites, which I mean, this poncho has sold for, you know, sixty thousand dollars at one auction site. Um, in some of them, you can see a little bit to the inside where there's a, you know, you can see the warm lining, which is probably like mm. wool or flannel, like something nice. So not only were they able to create warm, matching, perfect multiples, they also created three stages of like dirtiness level to show how the poncho is becoming progressively weathered as time passes within the film. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's wild to me to think that like even this poncho, which we see being made on film, even this thing has multiples. This is incredible. (laughs) Another cool thing about this is that, you know, he just whipped up this costume live on camera, essentially, but it is now so identifiable as a Rambo look. That if you Google Rambo Halloween costume, this poncho pops up and instructions on how you can make one of your own or places where you can buy one for Halloween. Wow. What about the headband? Is that part of it too? Yeah. He shows, they show him cutting the headband, like just cutting a strip. Yeah. And then tying, it's the canvas tarp also. And then he also like later he cuts the poncho up to make his torch when he's doing the mine. So like really, I mean, this costume element just keeps giving. Like it's just... It clothes him. It keeps his hair back. It lights his way. <laughs> We're like, wait, was Stallone just like a full-on genius this whole time? And nobody... <laughs> We're only just now realizing it? It's entirely possible. Also, I got to tell you a really funny thing that you might already know about Stallone. Recently, <laughs> this cracks me up so much. So he had a tattoo on his bicep of his wife. And he had it covered over with a, his dog. And you don't know this. Then they filed for divorce. <laughs> Wait, before or after? After. <laughs> now, they didn't actually get divorced, so maybe they worked it out, and I hope so. Like, I want everybody to be happy. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, personally, if, um, like, I would way rather if my husband had a dog on his arm than my own face. I don't want to look at the uncanny valley of my face tattooed on my husband, I'd Oops. rather look at a cute doggy. <laughs> a thousand percent. That's just 
my opinion. <laughs> and that's a lot coming from both of us. We are both Gemini's and you would think we would want our faces tattooed wherever they could be. On uh, just any old person. <laughs> but we're also both vain and we want to make sure that that face looks good at all times. <laughs> Let's just happening. be honest. A dog's going to be cuter. <laughs> dog's going to always be cuter. <laughs> all right. So now we're coming back up out of Inception. Bloop, 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 bloop. We're back to the real world. Okay. All right, so Megan, let's get into could he sew it, which is what we're talking about is the poncho. We're not, we're not going to talk about <laughs> him sewing up his own arm. Although, did you catch where the um, needle and thread came from? Because yes, yeah, and I was going to ask you if that if in any of your research that was realistic. So of course, the needle and thread came from inside the knife. Yes, in and... a little like unscrew thing in the handle. Is that a real thing? Well, let me just pull up um, this listing on Amazon right here. Brilliant. Shut up. Uh, is that it? Is that so a this, knife with a... It's it's an eight-inch survival knife with a compass and survival kit. You unscrew the handle of the knife, which has the compass in it. That's the cap. And inside yeah. is three matches in a waterproof case, a fish hook and fish line, needle, and thread. Amazing. Just like in the movie. However, his needle was threaded already and... Um, a lot of sewing kits have a pre-threaded needle so yes. that you can just get going. You don't have to even thread it. I have found this in my short sewing stents. I have thought to myself, well, thank God, because if I had to thread the needle, we'd just stop right now. You just give up and yeah. just be naked. <laughs> <laughs> I just give up and call you. Yeah. The thing about the needle, though, is it's a straight needle. Um, when you sew skin together, uh, like, so if you think about fabric, you go up through the fabric. And then you come back down to the inside of the fabric. You go up again, uh -huh. come back down. I don't know if you can visualize this, but you can't do that with the human body. And that's why you have a curved needle. Yes. So like for surgery, you use a curved needle. Right. I always noticed that because I had my face sewn up once. Um... <laughs> Are you Rambo? <laughs> I am Rambo. No, but I remember like I had uh, like a little, yeah, a little um, cut. No, I had actually a mole that they removed. You might remember this. I was only like 20 or 25 but they cut like this much out well, and then they had to sew it back up so I actually I attribute my youthful appearance to the fact that I had a free facelift when I was 24 so they had to <laughs> <laughs> but just on this one side and so they had to sew it back up and I had a little scar right here but I remember the needle being like you know curved and yeah. sort of like like hookish almost mm -hmm. like um that's going in my head but it did and I mean, yeah. now. Have you you have never used a curved needle, I, I would guess. I mean, I've never really used a straight needle, so. <laughs> it's, a curved needle is kind of hard to use. Like, you definitely have to practice with it a little bit. So why um, is it curved for human skin? Like, what does it do? Well, it's curved because you can't go underneath. You can't go down. Up, oh, you down, can't up. go like, yeah, that's like yeah. a. So like, you kind of see him. I mean, he's a little bit. He's got to get kind of under the edge you know, like it's harder to sew two edges together because he's got to kind of go under and come yeah. up. But if it was curved, he could, the needle would do that action. I mean, you just allow it to turn without you yeah. having to try to get under something to yeah, get back up. Yeah, because then it's all straight and ugh, ow, and then you're like hitting yeah. organs and stuff. <laughs> I mean, maybe not organs, but <laughs> fat, tissue, muscle, What what is under there? Yeah. If it's me, it's just straight muscle because I... Exactly. Um, yeah. Like you said, I'm Rambo. Yeah. Listener, I want you to know, Megan can do a, a push-up, a real I one. I can do... And I used to be able to do one pull-up, but I don't know if I can anymore. 
I also liked the continuity with his, um, with that cut with his stitches in it, that it was bleeding the whole movie, which I thought was, that was good continuity that like, yeah, they kept reapplying, you know, they made sure that they reapplied blood between scenes or between takes because mm -hmm. uh, it's not like that. It's, he doesn't magically heal. Like his, right. he still has a wound that's, that's acting the way a wound would. Which part of me is like, is that a real wound? Like that he just said, keep going, roll camera, roll camera for like 30 days straight and just like let it. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> it would be, he, he had enough time I know, I for know. filming that he would have healed, <laughs> but not enough time in movie time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So now, okay, let's see. Megan, I wanted to know, is sewing taught in the army? Because, okay, so John Rambo is in the army. He's a Green Beret. Mm. So he is a specialist. He's taught special survival skills and stuff like that. But I want to know, if it, does the army teach uh, sewing as a survival skill? And I thought it would be really cool if I knew somebody who was in the army. And I don't. But our sister-in-law does. Yeah! <laughs> so thank you to our sister-in-law, Lily, who called her dad, Sergeant First Class Roberto Padilla, and mm. asked him, Hey, Dad, did they teach you to sew in the army? You ready for his official statement? Yes, I'm ready. Hell no. We don't get training on how to sew. <laughs> <laughs> That's the official statement. Yep. <laughs> Hell no. Okay. Hell no. So do you think that maybe in Green Beret training they did? I would guess so, because that's more about wilderness survival. Right. Right? Yes. So then this was funny. I was thinking to myself, like, Am I just really sewing centric? Is sewing not a survival skill? If I do, I just think that like, did I even have this question in the first place of would he be taught to sew? Because I think that's important. Well, and that's almost like, right there. You are sewing centric. <laughs> you need to just go ahead and own that. <laughs> that is why we are here. Um, and then, like, I wondered but, if what if I yeah. asked Megan, would she say, oh? No, he wouldn't be taught sewing, but he would have a little notebook and a pen so he could write down story ideas. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would think to myself, he should have a little notebook and a pen so he can remember everything that's happened because it's going to be so crazy and he might not know what day it is and he needs to mark the events that have happened and what he's eaten and where he's gone and how much time has passed and who's tried to kill him. So actually, yes. <laughs> so you're actually, more worried yes. that he needs to document things for future lawsuits. Yes, he needs to document things, and that, which is a combination of both of my professions, but he would need to document things so he can know what happened. And also, so later when he needs to write his memoir, he has so a- So journalism is a survival skill for you, mm -hmm. but sewing is a survival skill in my mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is a really good point because all the things that have happened to him are so fucked up, he's going to need to be able to illuminate them for society. And you're like, even for him to get out to society, he's going to have to be able to sew up his tent, sew up his bag, sew up his fucking arm, up his so body. he can get out there and tell people what he's experienced. So really, we are the perfect survival wilderness duo, us. Meanwhile, we don't know how to eat or navigate well, as I always joke, like if, if there's no plumbing, I'm not going to do it. So I am like, you know, I, I have no, I have no romanticism about survivalism. I, I have no joy in the idea of being lost or not lost in the wilderness. I don't want to be there. I think it's beautiful. I'll hike through it and then I'm good. But do you have any like off-grid fantasies? Uh, not as much anymore. And I mean, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in, but like, frankly, it's part of it is that it's just so sad that I see people in tents on the street 
every single day. Like, yeah. it's less oh, fun. Oh, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, like, camping is a lot less glamorous to me nowadays. When I was because... a kid, I loved that sort of stuff. Like, I would well, you go did. out and camp for fun. You were always the one putting up the tent. You always were the only person that knew where anything was. I mean, navigationally, you were always very good. <laughs> um, and still, to this day... But I, I have thought about that, how y- you sort of had like a, a little bit of an off gridness about you, a little bit of a like, you know, could could rough it vibe, um, <laughs> well, which I, I respect. This is a weird, this might be a weird generational thing. You tell me. I think that Gen X was particularly marketed to about survival skills. Um, mm-hmm. I've read My Side of the Mountain, Hatchet, um, mm. Julie of the Wolves. Um, there were yes. some other like... A lot of the books that I read and really enjoyed the most were, oh, uh, Island of the Blue Dolphins. Oh, um, yes. Books where a young person is alone. And I was just like, God, that's my dream. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I think that that I think it's it's interesting to watch things now like, um, we called it like Starvation Lake, but what was that show where they send people out to starve and try to survive survivor no alone maybe it was alone it was alone yeah 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 so like i mean i think it's interesting to be confronted with the reality of um how little anybody actually can do that sort of thing because i Mm -hmm. think that in in the back of my head and probably a lot of people my age is the thought of like oh yeah yeah i could i could do that and then like you watch um starvation lake and you're like no (laughs) i would just starve and die or eat the wrong berries and throw up all the time or yes yes and see I already know that about myself but I always thought that like like I'm guessing that you were getting different media I think so because I associate those books which I did read with you I used to think to myself this seems like something Liza would be into um (laughs) I right (laughs) I would be struggling in this environment um (laughs) I'm also generally, and I don't know if this is a millennial thing or just a me thing, but I'm, I'm a little bit more like frightful. Like, I don't know if we were marketed more about crime or something in a way in the nineties or whatever, but like, Mm -hmm. but the idea of being alone to me completely is, is, um, my first thought is always safety. And I don't know why that is because nothing particularly dangerous has ever happened to me. Is that like now as an adult or do you think your whole life even when I was little I was afraid of I mean I I used to wake up screaming like I don't think that you remember this because strangely it would happen not strangely but it would happen when you guys were gone in the summer oh okay I would get scared being downstairs because you were alone in in that part of the house yeah I always like to have you guys around I like to know people are around the the monsters would eat us first because we're bigger yeah And then maybe that's just a testament to my own obsession with my desirability. Like even a monster wants to come out of the closet or the ground or the woods and and come for me because I'm just like, I'm irresistible. Look at this tasty morsel. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so that I know that's kind of a tangent, but I do think that the um, survival mentality and the survivalist um, kind of off grid appeal is something that, um, I sort of always associated with you and I could sort of see you um, uh, uh, thriving as Rambo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's interesting to think of it as not even anything personal to me, but as a, uh, like a, like a 
marketing, a trend, a sociological trend, something mm. that's things that I think are intrinsic to me might just be uh, what I was absorbing at the time. All right, let's talk about, um, okay, we have really kind of covered, would he sew it um, oh, in yeah. that he was cold mm -hmm. and he's a survivalist and he's a machine. He's a machine. He's I'm a, a I'm machine. a little, I, it worries me a little that, he, that in real life he found a gross old tarp, but I was reassured because I was like, it's okay, it's zero degrees. Nothing is alive on that tarp. There aren't any spiders. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. I went to reach for my ibuprofen last night. Yeah. And there was a fucking wolf spider on the cup next to it. Oh. And I was like, oh, but I'm actually pretty good with spiders. Like I can catch them, but this one got away and we both had like a little bit of a like, oh, where's the spider? Oh, it's in there. Oh, well, I guess he, we'll just leave it. He was by the ibuprofen. Like, I'll give you something to take pain medication about <laughs> yeah i know he's like how about how about i bite you right now but yeah. then i read that wolf spiders actually eat brown recluses so i was like all right oh. go for it yeah so you made him a little sandwich and brought it back over and was like mm -hmm. hope you enjoy your stay yeah i went and caught a brown recluse and let it loose in the house what? So the wolf oh. spider could eat it for lunch. <laughs> no, God, no. That's right. I haven't seen any brown recluses yet, but I've been on the hunt for them. Yeah. So has that hunter spider, right? You said it was a hunter? Mm -hmm. No, you said yeah. it was a wolf. A wolf Wait. spider. Yeah. Okay. But it hunts the recluses. So. All right. Well, good. All right. So yeah, he would totally sew it. Totally. And then um, let's move, skip right along to should he sew it. Uh, I'm just going to say yes, because it looks badass. And he made a costume with a knife. Yes. You made a costume using a knife. <laughs> Rambo! You agree with Go this? Alone! <laughs> I'm guessing. Fuck yeah! You agree with everything? <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Uh, one nice thing about the poncho. Okay, so like if you were going to cut a rectangle, like it's a rectangle, right? Mm -hmm. What shape do you think that the um, part your head goes through should be? I mean, I guess a big old circle. Right. You'd assume it'd be a circle because your head is a circle, right? But he cuts a slash. Oh. He just cuts a line. He just yeah. does a slash with his knife, which is, you know, more efficient because it doesn't lose any fabric. And also, like, it, it Protects means the neck. he's more covered. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which um, is also great for the costume department because then they don't have to worry about anything yeah. being visible because it's yeah. all the way up to the neck. So that's a good, good job, Stallone. Yeah. Once again. So that was is nice. He, is he a genius? Yeah. Is he a genius? He might be a genius. He might, I, think, I think he is. <laughs> Um, this was kind of funny and mean, and, um, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in either, but, you know, I was Googling things and I Googled something like, why does Stallone, I think I was trying to find like something about him making the costume, but what, one of the autofill suggestions was, why does Stallone's face look like that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is so mean. Okay, but I have to find out. Yeah. So I went and looked and um, he had um, facial paralysis from birth. Yes, that's right. I knew and something. I really was like, this fucking guy, like, can you imagine being so goddamn good looking that even facial paralysis cannot stop you from being a major actor? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, like he had a, a lisp right and people right. would related to that yeah yeah his face was paralyzed he had a lisp he had all these like things and he was just so good looking that none of that mattered <laughs> yeah and like still a stud and I mean, just still, made it yeah. happen yeah <laughs> and also his voice of course became 
such a trademark for him. I mean, mm-hmm. the voice helped make him what he is. So <laughs> let that be a lesson to all of yeah. our young listeners. You can take what you think is a, a problem and turn it into an asset. Let me see if I got any other. Oh, I do have another interesting thing. Okay. Oh, I actually wrote, I actually titled this for myself. Another interesting thing. <laughs> Girl, get some. I miss seeing your notes in person. Okay, so this movie was filmed in Canada, right? Canada has different rules than the United States about guns. I'll go ahead and say it. They have better rules. Mm, preach. So Canada does not allow the kinds of guns that were in this movie. So when you film a movie in Canada that has guns, you have to import them. And they have to have, like, special permits. And there's there's a lot of stuff involved. So... These guns, however, after being imported into Canada and being on the set, being used in some scenes, were stolen from the set. 47 guns were stolen. And these are like major assault weapons. They're M16s. Like, yeah. they, well, they identify them as M16s, which are, it's M16 and AK-47 are the two like they're, big ones. This was another moment about. where I was like, why the fuck does this police force have these guns? Yeah. In yeah, some I know. small they were... town in, in supposedly Washington State, right? Yeah. They've got a helicopter and these scary-ass guns. Which is so funny because I didn't even notice. Like, Jason pointed it out <laughs> that they were assault rifles. And I was like, no, I think they're regular rifles. And he rewound it. And he was like, do you see what they're doing? Those are M16. It was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, at this stage, I'm so desensitized to, like, a full-on <laughs> military-grade weapon being in a film. God. But, yeah, that's crazy. It was illegal. And so 47 were stolen from 47 the 47 were stolen. Um, 15 of them were recovered later. Jesus. Um, so th- this is something that I don't think I ever realized about guns in movies. They're real guns. They're yeah. converted to be able to shoot blanks, but apparently converting them back to live ammo is something you can do with a wrench. Like, it's not... You don't even need a welder. Oh, it gives me the creeps, especially, of course, after the, um, you know, the Alec Baldwin film thing. It's like how easily this seems to be... And now, I mean, the thing is, like... Yeah. We have had Foley in movies for over 100 years. Foley is, like, sound... The creation of uh, sound effects, like the art of sound effect creation. That's yeah, yeah. Foley, we've had that for more than a hundred years. So if you need a gun to make a sound, Foley. If you need a gun to make a light flash, we've got lighting effects. We've got CGI now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously like, why aren't they carved out of soap? Why do we ever have a real gun on a set? Yeah, I don't care if you want them to have a muzzle flash when they fire a blank. Just don't do that. Never do that again. Yes. I mean, like yeah. I. I don't, I never worked on, on a set, like I was never a dresser, but like it occurred to me like, Jesus, what if I had to be on a set of a movie where they had guns? Like that would be so scary. And I'm just a, you know, a costumer with hanging out with my safety pins, like ready to safety pin someone together. Like, I don't want to get, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be on a set, even if there's, they have blanks. Right. And now, yeah. um, like, it's like that, the dumb plots we were talking about with cell phones, uh, that like, why can't they write better? If a mm. gun, if the scene does not work without a gun, but it works with a gun, that's a bad scene. It's poorly written. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a good point. It is such a cop out, especially when the entire point of the scene is a power struggle between two characters, which is like what so much of any yeah. storytelling is. It's like, who has the power? Well, it's such, it's like whoever has the fucking gun is the power. Take the gun away and then write a real scene. Motherfucker. Write a real scene. 
<laughs> but seriously, like, if the scene is pivoting on which one has the gun, that's a bad scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so so after the, the theft of those weapons, the set was guarded by the Canadian Army. And some of them are extras. Like that scene where uh, you have all that all the army people around, they've set up like a field office. Yeah. Uh, some of those are real Canadian army because they were there to guard the set. Fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have another serendipitous book moment for you. Okay. Um, I've been reading this book, which is called They Don't Pay Me to Say No. It's by Dean Goodine, who is a prop master. He was not the prop master on First Blood. I, I made sure. <laughs> He's not the one that the guns got stolen from. Mm. Um, he is the preeminent Canadian prop master. So this book really gets into a lot of stuff about, like he worked on Legends of the Falls and Unforgiven and movies that have, where you have to have like the correct period gun Ooh. and it's in Canada and you keep it safe. And um, it's just interesting, like talking about logistically, you know, you're handing a gun to an actor and not even, not even a a speaking role actor a lot of times a lot of times it's two extras like yeah. how do you keep how do you make sure at the end of the day that they all came back to you and that they're all safe and that during filming no one just tripped with a bayonet i mean there's a whole chapter in here about creating bayonets out of other materials which yeah. just made me start to think like how did bayonets ever exist fuck like, yeah they're scary a bayonet they're if you don't know is a knife on the end of a gun so if you don't accidentally shoot yourself, you have a very strong option of accidentally stabbing yourself when you lose your balance and fall stomach first on your own gun. Uh, <laughs> side note, Lightside Legends of the Fall is the first movie that ever broke me. And I mean, broke me in half emotionally. I cried for an hour after I watched it in sixth grade. And I said to my friend, if this is what love is, count me out. <laughs> really? You know, my takeaway from things get off and be a little bit different than yours, yeah. but- three brothers in love with the same woman they're all beautiful one of them's brad pitt it writes itself and it breaks its own <laughs> <And> heart done <laughs> anyway yeah if uh listener if you're into like this is another uh, lesser known element of um the production of a movie that is so incredibly important and that like we don't usually think about is props it's anything mm. an actor picks up is a prop yep and uh like i've been talking about with continuity with costumes and stuff like all that stuff happens with props and sometimes it's even more minute and there are so many more items that are props. You can usually yes. only wear one costume at a time, but you can pick up so many things. <laughs> yes. Yes. You can pick up so many things and everything has to be in the same place at the same correct. time, which is where the script continuity comes in and, and uh, script yeah. uh, supervisor. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> a lot of ins, it's a lot of outs, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. One of those parts, props. Go ahead, Liza, take yeah. it away. All right, I got to tell you um, a funny moment where I was dumb about this. Um, so I had this, you know, I had just started reading this book. They don't pay me to say no. And I had it out on the table and we had a friend over who's a props master. And he was like, oh, this book is great. Are you reading this? And I was just like, yeah, I just started it. But like, I really, I'm like, I'm looking forward to later in the book when he gets out of Canada and he comes to Hollywood. And um, the guy was like, he's the most well-respected Canadian prop master. He doesn't, like, he's going to be in Canada the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> and he I doesn't, like, what? You're like, oh, my LA snob is coming through. And I you're know, like, Wait. I was like, and then I was like, well, that's kind of embarrassing. Is Should I have known that? And then he picked up the book and looked on the back and, like, the blurb on the back says, 
Canada's preeminent prop master and and he would, like showed it to me and I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, there is a world outside of Los Angeles. Totally. Like, yep, I I just did that. I just negated the rest of the world. Whoops. Well, I mean, to your credit. <laughs> Hollywood is a pretty big deal when it comes to <laughs> all facets of the entertainment industry. You're not wrong. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Apparently the first uh, edited cut of this movie was three and a half hours long or something. And um, Stallone hated it so much that he wanted to buy it and destroy it. Wow. But then it was edited down to like the version that we see. And it's, um you know, great movie. Like we've been saying, they fixed mm -hmm. it. Editing fixed it. Editing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, another facet of filmmaking that's necessary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So did you notice that the um, the police that are pursuing him, they all had United States flags on their jackets. Mm -hmm. And they're all oriented the usual way you see an American flag, which is the field of stars is in the left-hand corner and the stripes proceed toward the right. You know, yeah, just the yeah. normal way you see a flag, right? Yeah. I actually looked this up because it sort of looks backwards. And the reason is in the army, you have to orient the flag so that it appears that you are rushing forward into battle. So on this oh. arm, the stars would be in the front with the stripes going back. And in this arm, the stars are also in the front with the start with the stripes going back. But this arm just looks normal because that's the way we're used to seeing it. Yeah, yeah. This arm looks backwards. Oh, my God. You're rushing and the flag is... Because it's like the you. flag is, is unfurling behind you as you're rushing forward into battle. So that is how the army is required to wear their patches. So their patches are embroidered as a set because they have to mirror each other. Yeah. Um, so I looked that it up. That is really interesting. Yeah, because I looked it up because I was like, is the police force wearing their flags incorrectly? Because this is a major thing that like when you do a movie that involves police, military, anything like official like that, fire department even, you have to be really careful to make sure you get that stuff correct. Yeah. Because that's like a major military and and civil office protocol. Like it's, they're real strict rules about how you wear your stuff. Like costumes has to really, really be right about that because uh, people will notice. And so I looked it up and um, it's only the army does that thing with the flags rushing forward. The police are it's the idea is that they're not meant to be an aggressive force rushing forward into battle with with civilians <laughs> the idea is that their flag is at rest so it's correct the way we see it in the movie is correct that it's kind of the the usual way that we see the american flag mm -hmm. it's not unfurling behind them in in a rushing forward aggressive situation wow that's so interesting i love i actually kind of love that yeah i always i love being reminded of how specifically thought out everything in the fucking universe is yeah, yeah. like just because it hasn't occurred to me doesn't mean that somebody else hasn't already been all yeah. over this for generations <laughs> yeah there are strict rules about they govern these little minute details yeah 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 um okay megan i think we're ready for our lightning round of could would and should rambo make this tunic but before we do that I want to tell you about a movie called Son of Rambo. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you like, a little bit. Child, S-O-N, or like yes. son? It is spelled Son of Rambo with a W because it is a film where a shy kid who's not allowed to watch movies because of the religion that his family belongs to accidentally sees First Blood. And then he films a recreation of it with his new friend who is the worst behaved kid in school. 
and it's really touching. It's really sad. It's really funny. And Jessica Hines plays his mom, who is an actress that I really like. She's been in a bunch of things. It's And it's spelled Rambo with a W on the end because, I mean, he's a little kid. And it involves, that like, so it's, it's the sweetest. Like, I, I really, I think that you and Jason should watch it. I wonder if he's watched it. I'll, I'll ask him about it. Yeah, um, so it came out in 2007. Okay, Son of Rambo with a W, which yeah. is a good segue into, um, we have a saying in our household, um, it's Rambo weather. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Cold? <laughs> well, like rainbow weather. Uh -huh. um but because when you say it a certain way it kind of sounds like rambo like rainbow weather is like you know beautiful sunshine or like you know post rain like a rain a rainbow's gonna uh, come okay but because if you say rainbow really fast it kind of sounds like rambo and like jason loves rambo <laughs> and i love rambo too and so we just say like it's rainbow weather it's rainbow it's rainbow weather <laughs> meaning like it's the best weather yeah it's like nice weather <laughs> like it's rambo weather uh okay back to our lightning round are you Got ready it. You got yes. your answers ready? Yeah. Okay. Could Rambo make this poncho? Yes. yes. Would Rambo make this poncho? Yes. Yes. Should Rambo make this poncho? Yes. Yes. <laughs> As it worked out, he should have done it even in the context of how difficult it would make it for the costumers because they all roast the occasion. And fortunately, yes. he picked a tarp that was big enough to make multiples. And that is a really interesting fact about the movie. And it makes and, me love everybody involved. And it looked awesome. No notes. Yeah, no real no real notes on this movie. I mean, even the fact that, like, there literally was not a single woman in the movie. I didn't even notice. Uh, I mean, there was, the, besides that, the opening scene. Yeah. Um, usually I'm, like, need some kind of gender balance. And in this, I was like, no, this is all dudes doing dude stuff. Like, this is just. Yeah. It's fine to have dudes doing dude stuff. Yep. It's a great movie. Like I um I really was like impressed that it came out when it did. I was impressed by the range and nuance of the character, the like the the representation of PTSD at a time when it was really fresh and new and also like mm -hmm. probably not a lot of men were talking about how traumatizing the war was in like a really public way. And it's also a film about like defending your own dignity, which I mm -hmm. thought was um really lovely i mean he is truly minding his own business uh, and getting uh pushed to the brink and he respond and he retaliates as you know one would <laughs> and he warns them and he warns them He's like uh leave me alone or you're gonna get a war and he and, gives and them I a war and as i'm sure we find out in the subsequent films like he continues to sort of be the voice of what the the what is right i mean he's not even like a vigilante because it's sort of it's crazy because he is operating within the letter of the law uh until he's not i don't think i'm gonna watch the rest of the of the rambos though like this the story ends well in my mind yeah i get, have the impression that the rest of them are kind of punch fests and shoot fests and I don't, that's not what i'm into i don't want to see that really i don't yeah. know that the rest of them have the depth that this one has I don't, I don't think know. that they do. I mean, the second one, I think, is the most popular. Like but... First Blood Part 2 or whatever Yeah, it is. First Blood Part 2. But this one felt like it really accomplished that, like, perfect. It really accomplished straddling both action and story, mm -hmm. which is hard to do. But spectacle and narrative in a very compelling way. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I also read. Okay, so in the book, 
he kills himself at the end. Rambo does. They filmed a version where he did that, which would, of course, be a real problem with the franchise aspect of this film. I'm strangely um, reassured, not reassured, not to promote suicide, but like I had this moment where I was like, is he going to film and Louise this? Like, or, mm. you know, is he just, would he rather die than go um, mm-hmm. any further with this terrible experience? And I guess in the book, he does. Yeah. Which I didn't know. So. Um, and you can find online um, like an outtake of that original ending. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Audiences were like, no, keep him alive. <laughs> we want a franchise. We just oh. don't know it yet. You know, speaking of test audiences, okay, so when you were living in LA, did you ever, um, like I used to see this, they had clipboards at the farmer's market and they'd be like, free movie, free movie, free movie. And um, so what it was, was people gathering, the studios gathering test audiences, right? They didn't want industry. No industry was allowed to be in the test audience because you have a skewed view of a movie in progress, I guess. Yeah, because I knew people that used to lie. Okay, I did. You Wait, this what? One. <laughs> Liza, you're the rebel? God, I fucking knew it. <laughs> so uh, Tall Guy and I one time were like, oh, let's do it, let's do it. So we went yeah. over and we said we were waiters. And mm. we went to see the 2002 Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Collateral Damage. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> oh my God. And I think that my feedback was probably immediately thrown out because I remember writing down on the card uh you can tell the lead actress is the bad guy because she's wearing so much makeup in the jungle (laughs) and really she had like a full face of makeup and I was like she's clearly evil (laughs) did you know we were watching this documentary that Arnold and Stallone had like a huge rivalry this whole time they couldn't even be in the same room together uh, yeah I mean they were vying for similar big muscly men sort of stoic muscly men right right but Stallone is so much more dynamic I mean his character is so much messier and he even says that in the documentary that like Arnold was always perfect and he was like Uh, ah falling over stuff and fucking stuff up and you know anyway yeah that is so crazy you guys saw collateral damage as a test audience and it was it was it was just a big dumb punch fest and uh, I remember the um like part of the climax involves a lot of explosions and they hadn't put him in yet. So it was kind of like there was Arnold and then there was just some gray in the oh, frame behind him. Funny. You know? Yeah. They're not going to spend all that money until they solidify the plot. That is crazy. Yeah. They just hadn't edited it in yet. Yeah. They explained it to all of us. Like we were three, like, like we have not finished editing this movie. So please don't give criticism on the ending special effects. <laughs> God, I love that you got to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's so funny now because now I'm like, God, no, I would never want to do that. It, does it involve standing in line? Because like, count me right out. <laughs> but did you guys get paid, right? I don't remember getting paid. Maybe it's being on a focus group. I had friends that would lie and be in focus groups about, did you have to stay after and like talk about it and stuff? We had to fill out a card. And I think that was all. Mm, okay. I don't think we spoke. And it was a large, I mean, it was a movie theater size full of people, it, probably at least a hundred people. It wasn't yeah. like a small, it was, I don't think it was a focus group. I think we were just a test audience. Awesome. But yeah, we went on to some lot. I don't even remember which lot it was. Watched it in a theater on the lot. It was super cool. Listener, I don't recommend lying just in general, but, um, but if you do, out. <laughs> Liza's actually a really good liar. <laughs> yeah. I can tell anyone that I'm a waitress. <laughs> 
No, she's a very <laughs> honest person. Yeah, no, I'm actually terrible at that because I'm, I'm just like, oh, God, somebody's going to catch me. Oh, no. I'm pretty rules. bad at it. I don't want to break the rules. <laughs> right. Because I think of all the questions that they could potentially ask me. But I did hit the ultimate badassery when on my 37th birthday, I took alcohol to the beach and the cops were <laughs> I walking around giving people drinking tickets. And I had it in a little Gatorade bottle. And Jason was like, babe, this is the end. You got to put that away. This like, is the we're end. done. We're done. Like, oh my God. And then as the cops got closer, I was like, Play it cool, honey. Like, just relax. <laughs> and they just walked right past us. And I got so many cool points. Oh, my gosh. But also, these fucking kids were like, I mean, they basically just had, like, six packs out. Like, I was. Oh, like, they were being nobody, real stupid. They were being stupid. Yeah. That's really funny. Like, I wouldn't have done that. I would have been like, I, I would have been Jason. I would have been like, honey, no. <laughs> well, you once, I, I stopped in the fire lane outside of your um, fire department right yeah. by your house. Yeah. I stopped. Oh, you in were the, stopped in the keep clear zone on the street. And you were in the car with me. I was driving you home and you were like, Megan, you cannot stop here. You're supposed to have stayed in the, you were like so alarmed. And I was like, girl. And you're like, no. And I was like, Liza, it's okay. Um, Funny though. <laughs> okay. Well, that solves that. Listener. If your friends make costumes with knives, share this episode with them. <laughs> Listener, if you have a friend who has always stood up for what is right and what is just <laughs> and has self-respect and human dignity, share this podcast with them. <laughs> Listener, if your friend wants lunch and to be left alone, share this podcast with them. <laughs> Listener. If you know anyone that has sewed up their own arm with a sewing needle, share this podcast with them. Why not? And that's how I feel about this podcast since it's the only podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> no, I actually, my favorite podcast is the, uh, the Ezra Klein's New York Times podcast because I'm a secret nerd alert. And um, oh, I, I don't know that listen. one. I'll have to check that one out. Well, it's not fun. Good. Uh, Megan, would you please say hello to our listener in Singapore? Which uh, is both a city and a country. And I've always wanted to visit Singapore. Listener in Singapore, I would like to visit you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm outside. <laughs> listener, in, listener in Singapore, look out the window. Megan is the one waving. <laughs> yes. Hello to our listener in Singapore. Thank you so much for listening. It's uh, awesome. And I'm going to say hi to our listener in Seattle, Washington. Hello, Seattle. <gasps> Do you know who our listener in Seattle is? No. Megan, I got to tell you, now that we have more than seven listeners, we're not going to know them all. How many listeners do we have? I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I think it's more than seven. <laughs> Shit. Because, yeah, we each only know seven people. Well, you only know, like, two people. I know five I, people. Yeah, we, you, uh, you raise my average. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, a couple of friends in Seattle, and I wonder if one of them is listening so that's could awesome be, or it could be like a whole new friend you never know that's true that's true um and i would like to say a special thank you to mike for the movie suggestion and a special special thank you to our sister-in-law lily lily for calling up her dad sergeant first class roberto padilla and yes. asking him um my insane question about sewing in the military <laughs> and giving us such a concise and like clear answer like there's no yeah she no really question. got a great quote i feel like if great i had quote. called him personally i wouldn't have gotten such a great quote so thank you Lily. that's great yes 
<laughs> yes. Thank you, Lily. And thank you, Mike. And thank you to all of our listeners. We have such a great time doing this and we really appreciate everybody that's out there making it, making it to the end. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> if you got this far, you fucking won. We all did. Yeah. You, <laughs> us, Rambo. <laughs> we all did. Everyone's got a little Rambo in them. Yeah. It's Rambo weather. It's Rambo weather, baby. Get outside. All right. Well, I think that's all we need to do. So uh, bye, Megan. (laughs) Bye, Liza. Thank you for listening to There's No Thread. Keep it threaded. (laughs) All right. Well, that's, I mean, I think we killed it on this one. That was awesome.